Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Good day and welcome to Extreme Common Sense with your hosts, Trisden and Ray. We hope to leave some of the social polarization behind and dig into the gray area middle of society and politics. When the far left and the far right hate us, we will have succeeded. And this is nice, I think. Today's show is going to be a big show for two reasons, Ray. It's the Donald Trump show, which may be a series. I mean, we could probably talk Donald Trump for a while. Like, there's a, there's a lot there. We're wearing microphones, man. Or, excuse me. We're wearing headsets. We are not wearing microphones. We're, we're not wearing microphones. We're talking into the mics, but we're serious because it's headsets tonight. Yes, headsets. So, yes, yes. Trisden and Ray here for episode three. Hello. <laughs> we're here to talk. We're going to try to find some middle ground. Man, that's a man. Is there a more polarizing subject in America than Donald Trump? And middle ground. Middle, we're going to try to see if there's that's, any middle ground to that be had be on a Donald success. Trump. If we can do that, that will be successful. So, this will be really a challenge to us. Yeah, no, I think so because I, you know, I, it's probably no secret. I don't know if we should start the show with the fact that uh, we didn't vote for Donald Trump. Um, I, 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 that, that's fair. I didn't. It, it, Man, let me, now it, that, now we've given our hand away. So now it makes so, it even more challenging. Right. Let me ask you this, and I'm going to say this, and, and this is maybe a 40 year old white man who's never had a problem getting a job, you know, no real major problems in my life from being who I am. Certainly. Or, or chicks, I understand. Because that's a- <laughs> no comment. <laughs> so. Here's the here's how I felt about Donald Trump. I felt like he was a bit of a clown in the beginning, and, and I would not have voted for Donald Trump. But you sort of sit back and you think of his rhetoric in uh, 2015, 2016, and I just remember him saying, I'm going to get in there, and I'm going to fix health care. It's going to be the best health care. It's going to be the cheapest health care. There was a lot of things I said, man, this guy's not going to win. But man, if he does, it's going to be interesting. He could possibly do some really good things. Now, you know, a lot of the things that would have that sort of made me have those thoughts, I feel like did not come to fruition. There was a lot of populist appeal. Right. There was a lot of things that he was he was saying there were there were a lot of things that he was saying that you can understand to the point you're making why people said, "Huh, this guy's kind of interesting. He's talking to me." Right. And I think he <laughs> There was something for everybody, you know, whether or not you liked him, you sort of, I think it was easy to sit back as a middle-class guy and kind of think, yeah, I mean, maybe he's not for me, but man, it maybe, you know, just maybe he'll get in there and change some stuff up. So before we get off on the political aspect of Donald Trump, I'll throw this out there, Tristan, and this drives some of my liberal friends crazy. And I've said this from the first day and I'll still say it. You're a golfer. I'm a golfer. If we found a third golfer and Mr. Trump invited us to one of his um, clubs and he were the fourth, I think you would have a heck of a lot of fun. That would be a great day. Yeah. Because he would make sure you were taken care of because you were invited at his behest. You're a guest of his. I'm sure his guests are treated well. I think he's pretty affable. I think you would laugh with him. I think that would be a fun day. 
Yeah, no, I, I can't argue that. And you might remember this story. I know I referenced Bill Maher last week. I'll reference him again. I, I like him. His show is um, is something I, I look forward to watching. So he had Keith Oberman as a guest probably in 2015. I don't know if you remember this. I do. So Oberman had lived or was living at the time in a Trump building, and Maher knew him through various things, including the lawsuit. So I'm watching these two lefties, and I'm like, oh, they're going to beat Trump to death. This is going to be fun. And they didn't. Oberman said every time he got on an elevator, happened to be with Trump or a member of his family, they were polite. They asked how he was doing. Mr. Trump always asked him how his dad was. And Marr was like, yeah, you know, I really would like to beat him up, but he's always been polite to me. And that struck me like, so some of it was sort of an act. Yeah, I think that's that's no question. And, and that Mar Oberman interview wasn't the only place I heard that. I heard a lot of left-wing guys say, he's got all this bluster. He's putting on this show. He's obviously a salesman. He's obviously and a showman. an actor and a, and a showman, showman right. for sure. Right. But, you know, to talk to him backstage at a talk show, like, he's a pretty nice dude. <laughs> right. So, and he's polite, and he asks how your family is. It's not all about him. Right. But th- that really, he did play a role. And you know what, Tristan? Even before you talk about the 2015, 2016 Donald Trump, you've got to go back to the Reform Party Donald Trump. You know, uh, Ross Perot put the Reform Party on the map, and he ran twice, 92, 96, quite successfully 92, not so much 96. And then Trump flirted with a run as the Reform Party candidate in 2000. So we're 16 years before his run. That gets him a elected president and he was like this i won't call him a liberal democrat but he was the new york guy who was pro-choice and anti-gun and homosexuality was fine so really trump himself was very malleable is that the word politically very and he saw something in 2015 2016 what you were saying before, that was an appeal to people in the middle part of the country who felt like they were being left out, and he he okay. took advantage of that He's, quite successfully. He did indeed, and, and I will say this, uh, talking about the, the sort of malleability, uh, I hope that's the right yeah, word. Yeah, that's even a word. Malleable. If it's not, we invented it. Right. We coined a it's, phrase. It's a new, or a new phrase. Uh, but to that point, you know, he didn't really... There was nothing about him that was traditional conservative. I mean, no. even these people that <laughs> no. are now completely no. on board for whatever reason, like, you know, he wasn't a, you know, we're cutting, you know, all the taxes and, no. and all the things that have just been traditional Republican viewpoints. I mean, you know, he, he came out pretty strong after some some, some shootings and I think they kind of took him in the back room and said, okay, we get it, but, uh, you know, calm down a little bit. And they sort of kept him in line. But, man, there was a lot of points and uh, situations where he definitely wasn't very traditional conservative. I mean, he picked some odd fights. He, he th- That thing with John McCain where he said, I don't really respect people who were captured. I oh respect people who weren't. Ca-. You figured that was the end. There were like five times where he was written off. Yeah. He was done. But he was never done. He just kept rising. So the question then for us becomes, what was it? that he was so successful at? What was it that he appealed to? How did he become president of the United States? Well, I would go back to it. Now, this is a, this is my opinion. You know, in a college politics class, I studied 
uh, you'll tell me the year. Was it the 1960 uh, JFK Nixon Nixon yeah. election? And Nixon won on radio, but JFK won That's on it. TV. That's and right. he sort of mastered the new medium of television. Television, the first televised debates, right? Correct. And so people that saw the debate felt like the good-looking guy That's won. That's right. And it, and it's a little bit different now, but I think Donald Trump capitalized on social media in such a big way. He really took advantage of all the press. He took advantage of his social media. And, uh, you know, he did something that nobody really had ever done. And he mobilized a group of people that nobody really had ever mobilized before. And I think there was a lot of charisma involved. I mean, love him or hate him. And there's not a lot of folks in the middle. Oh, he's charismatic. Yeah, he's I a mean, super no, charismatic yeah. guy. So you think uh, Twitter played a role. So he was on Twitter from the jump, right? Yeah, because he, he yeah. was tweeting back in 2010, 20. So yeah. he was using... Twitter in 2015, and you're saying that that was a very effective tool. Oh, I think it was huge, and I think a lot of the major networks also looked back, and it was such a, a sideshow, I think, to the CNNs and the MSNBCs that they were showing all of his rallies. Well, I was just about to say, they, they couldn't were, help themselves. Right. He got more media from them than he did from Fox. I mean, it right. was unbelievable. I mean, they was, couldn't help themselves from showing him all the time, and he was just sitting back laughing like, this is great. Yeah, so billions <laughs> of dollars in literal free, free advertising, advertising that it's just fair. beating down your throat. Right. Man, that, that's pretty good. I'm sure, you know, right. literally insert candidate's name here would love to have every rally televised on national TV. Right. Yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah. So, and I think you saw uh, in the 2020 election, you saw a very concerted effort, certainly from the, uh, I will say, middle of the road to Democrat leaning cable network channels did not cover that like they did previously. Those right. were not covered. Right. So, yeah. And I think that that certainly played a big role. But no, I, I think to say that his presence on Twitter and social media and, and some of the outlandish stuff sort of that he got behind or, or wouldn't distance himself from played a part. So I wonder then if there was some regret slash lament or lament slash regret on behalf of the folks at CNN and MSNBC who sort of realized the point that you just made, you know, be they the anchors themselves, Rachel Maddow, Chris Hayes, or the people who made the decisions, because they turned almost virulently anti-Trump after he was elected. It was almost as if, you know, he was kind of a sideshow, like you said, it was fun, we'll watch, all of a sudden he's the president, and now he has to be taken seriously, and... Let's face it, they just beat him to death. And I think right. an example of that would be this vaccine, right? So, so yeah, we're having this uh, flare-up with this Delta variant, I think it's called, and That's it right. looks like it it's, could be bad again. But really, if you look at what was accomplished, and, and you have to say worldwide, but kind of led by the United States, to come up with that vaccine that seems pretty effective in a year's time— if Joe Biden or any other person with a D after their name had been heading that up, they would have lauded them 10 ways from Sunday. And really, Trump got not even a little bit of credit from the MSNBCs or CNNs. Uh, to that point, I think he shot himself in the foot, in the foot as well with a lot, of, uh, a lot of his actions in regard to COVID. I mean, yes. D did he get as much credit as he should have for the vaccine? No, but here's a guy that wouldn't even publicly take the vaccine right. because he knew he had such a stronghold in the anti-vaxxers and the QAnon folks and the people that were saying this is a Bill Gates hoax. Well, he wouldn't even take his own vaccine. He would take credit for it in, among certain, you know, in certain situations. But, and, you know, he could have paraded that around himself. And what's funny about that is it's kind of like um, saying that the media seems to beat him up. They seem to have it in for him. Well... When you tick them off 
and you kind of pee all over them, yeah, they're going to hold that grudge. I mean, does that mean that, you know, it's a it's a biased media that's beating up Donald Trump? Well, I mean, in some ways, the media's always been biased, right? Yellow journalism founded the country, William Randolph Hearst, so on and so forth. But, you know, I, no, I, I mean... The you have to separate the news from the opinion, which is getting tougher and tougher. Very to blurry deal. lines. Yeah, they're they're getting yeah. blurrier. But well, that's kind of another subject. That could be another hey, next week. That could be a whole, a whole nother. Yeah, because <laughs> you know, I, I have my thought on the New York Times versus the guy in his underwear blogging. Right. They are different entities because yes. the Times has been vetted four times, and you know everything's double source, triple source. This guy, and now they're equal, right? And in the eyes of the uh, of the uh, uh, consumers of that those mediums, and that's a problem. But no, they they opted to beat up Trump largely because of how he treated them. Right. I no, mean, he, so some of it was brought on by him. Yeah, when you begin every rally with, oh, welcome the fake news, here's the fake garbage news and, spreading their lies about me, you know, 20 <laughs> feet away. We'll just see, oh, okay, well, let's go write the most positive piece we possibly can right, now. Right, You know, exactly. Like, people are throwing bottles at him and but stuff. But stop right there and think about what, what, what you just said that he said. Why did he say that? Because that notion does exist more, you know, in the middle part of the country rather than the coasts. And I guess by the coast, we're talking Boston to Washington, San Francisco to L.A. Um, But you get into middle America, you get into Berea, Kentucky, where we are, and you're going to find some folks who do really think that the media is aligned against them and they print fake stories. And this guy just took that ball and ran with it. And it's brilliant. Like and it's even brilliant. if you hate exactly. the, like the what you do, <laughs> what you're able to do at that point is say any press that I don't like, no matter how true for all eternity, is completely false. Like, can you imagine like you go home, you know, the next morning after a night out with the boys and your wife says you smell like ladies perfume and, you know, beer. And you're just like, ah, it's fake news. I think uh, Shaggy sang about it, didn't he? Indeed. It it wasn't me. I mean, Donald Trump was Shaggy. They should have called him. It wasn't me. It's amazing. No, and and you would love in any aspect of your life, if your work boss, if your wife or, you know, if anybody that holds you accountable, you could just say, oh, no, that's completely fake. (laughs) That's just fake. But I saw you doing this yesterday. Oh, no. No, don't worry about that. that. That's totally Who are you going to believe, me or your lion right. eyes? Yeah. But, but it was brilliant. I mean, brilliant is truly the word for it. However, the flip side, which not everybody sees, is it really does threaten democracy. Correct. I mean, that's the real danger. Yes. Like, you're really threatening democracy, like, in, right. a, in a true fashion. It's not just people saying, oh, yeah, the democracy. No, man, like, democracy's end. Right. You know? And we've had a 240-plus year run. That's it's, a pretty good it's run. It's a nice it? run. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's really a threat to democracy. Yeah. So, yeah, brilliant and, and entertaining well, brilliant and hysterical. For what he was trying to accomplish for himself, yes. But to your point, you know, you as you edge closer to a dictatorship, you're going to get a dictatorship. I, I think it's, you know... It, Man, or, was, or if not, dictatorship might be a tad strong, an authoritarian figure. So how much, you know, how many people within the American electorate would actually favor an authoritarian figure who delivered to them what they believed versus someone who tried to placate everybody? So that's the big question, right? And what is right. that number? And, and you would have thought, oh, it's a tiny number, 7 8%. It may be 35 40%. No, I think that's 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 a good guesstimate. Yeah, yeah. No, and and it's hard to watch because I, you know, 
in the midst of Trump's quote, uh, to quote the media, big lie, his uh, the That's election it. was fake, it was all garbage, which goes back to what we said. He didn't like the results, so it's fake. It's not true. Beautiful. And it's beautiful. But, but the problem with that is, is that then people actually believe you and take yes. you seriously. And then you can't have a democracy anymore when you don't believe in your elections, right? Like right. over the course of time. No, you cannot. And Absolutely was- not. That's that, that. So that's the one thing. It doesn't make a difference how politically disparate you are. It doesn't make a difference if you're the most ardent conservative and an Abby Hoffman liberal. What you can agree on is that the election is valid, right? That, that whoever wins... You may completely disagree with that conservative, but okay, I trust the election. They won. That's what he said is not any longer to be trusted. And that's where you get into a really, really dangerous spot. And that's a real problem without evidence. You know, there is a point where you say, look, this is the state this happened in. This is the attorney general that allowed these fake votes to go through. This is my actual evidence. But when you just throw it out there because you're not a loser and you, you know, it's very important that you're always a winner and you're always going to prove that you won. Look, you're, you're really, really, to your point, stepping so hard on the face of democracy. And real quick, I would rather have four years of any politician. I'll use Ted Cruz because he's my least favorite of all the politicians. <laughs> For I'll, a variety of reasons. Know, yeah, no, he lets Trump hate on his wife and, you know, just sort of then has his back. But uh, getting off point. But even I would much rather have an eight years of Ted Cruz in a fair, normal election that I was unhappy with than I would win and be, you know— under false pretense or well, have the capital stormed and my guy gets in. I always felt that way about Mike Pence. Like I remember him when he was a congressman from Indiana because, you know, politics is kind of a hobby of mine. And I often th- – so I have this thing where uh, I say the neighbor test. So is he a guy that you'd like to or a woman you'd like to live next to? And I think Mike Pence passes that test. I think he's a gentleman. I think he's a wholesome individual. Now, he's very, very conservative, a little too conservative for me. Sure. But I think he's a fine man. He's a serious man. So, And that was what I was going to ask you. When we lay all this out, really the overriding question then becomes, is Donald Trump a serious individual? You know, it, it almost, and I think a point could be argued, what Stephen Colbert was on Comedy Central's Colbert Report, where he was sort of a... Uh, I'm trying to think of a Bill O'Reilly kind of. Right, yeah, he was sort. He was playing an act of the person yeah. he sort of was, but he was really over dramatically. Fu- that's a great comparison. Yeah, it's I, almost what Trump a ca- plays. A, car- a caricature of himself. Yeah. So ca- Trump is sort of a political character of himself because I don't think he's a different person than this nice guy that you talk to backstage at an award show. But I think he is sort of playing this dictate, not dictator, but authoritarian role. Yeah. And I think he, he, you know, he's read a lot. He's a smart enough guy. Somewhat. So, and I think he's playing this role. He's, he sees what gets the applause and it's Mexico's bad. That's Woo! great. You know, <laughs> yeah. so I don't know. And I think there, there's, it's a great question. I'd love to one day know if this was exactly who he was or if he was playing a part. And he wrote it to the White House. That's the amazing thing about it. Because, you know, history, you have to get a little bit of distance. That's why it's called history. On the other hand, you're living history every day. I mean, imagine how Barack Obama is going to be looked at 100 years from now in, in history books, right? The, the, the first uh, uh, person with African-American blood to be president. That's a pretty seminal figure. But the history of this election of Trump is really going to be interesting because it just ripped away some scabs and it exposed some things that I don't think we were really aware were there to the degree they may be. Right. And and I don't know if this is your point exactly, but I think that just the... Nor do I, ironically. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
the social norms in democracy, just the things that you felt like that you sort of had to abide. Yes. Trump said, I don't think so. That's right. I'm not going to do that. That's and right. you just felt like, no, you have to. That's right. No, I do not. That's exactly right. You know, I think uh, there was a great Onion article for those who uh, know what the Onion is. It's satirical just a newspaper. Satirical right? newspaper. And uh, Jimmy Carter stunned to learn he didn't have to f- sell his family's like peanut farm, <laughs> you know, for $63,000 or whatever it was in the late 70s. But no, it's fascinating that Trump was able to just say, no, I'll just keep my business and yeah, I'll let my kids run it. He really did. Yeah, but there was, you know, I didn't write down examples, but there's, you know, you could come up with 30 of those. Well, and the staging, if I don't know if you remember, <laughs> he was elected. It's like, it was like an SNL skit. They had these tables, like three times the size of this table we're sitting at that was just filled with papers. And none of them were really anything. It was just all fine. But it looked like this enormous, and all the papers were being signed and turned over to the kids, and it was all just a show. Right. There wasn't even anything written on most of it. I mean, he 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 was. He just really stood there with you know his middle finger exposed and said, "Okay, this is the way I'm going to do it." Now there seems to be. You know, the, the what, what's the old phrase? Um, uh, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. So now there seem to be an, an, any number of politicians who are sort of picking up that mantle and just kind of going on and saying, no, this is the way I'm going to do it. And, and here's my truth, you know. And you have to wonder how it's going to go. I think that's the thing, right? Like, are we going to go sort of back toward the middle with the Joe Biden type candidates that were elected, the John McCain's? Or are we saying, screw it, we're going to vote for the lady who believes in Jewish space lasers? Yeah, well, there's some of that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and and so then, of course, that question is, what have they tapped into, which we still haven't completely answered sitting here, and and the historians are going to struggle to answer it, I think, 100 years from now. But what is it that Donald Trump tapped into, right? So you have to start, I think, with that MAGA phrase, make America great again. We talked about that a little bit last week. We haven't really talked Trump, but we did talk about that phrase. I've often wondered exactly who that phrase was manufactured for. And who was the brainchild of that phrase? Steve Bannon? or one of those guys, Uh, maybe it was Mr. Trump himself, but what were they making America great again for and when was America not great? Those are the two questions I think that have to be asked and answered before that phrase really has any merit. Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right, Ray. And and let me ask you this. I mean, I've got a list and I was looking up a list of uh, positives of Donald Trump's uh, four-year presidency. There was a lot of positives. He did a lot of things. Now, certainly, you know, stacking the Supreme Court, different things that you and I might say, well, I don't love that as somebody that's closer to the middle or on the left. But certainly on the right, he, he definitely found a way to make a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. Is it worth the negatives? Now, even as a Republican, we can't really see it from this point of view, but is it even worth it as a Republican? If you take the things that were pretty racist. Now, I, I'm not a guy that's like... Everything he did was racist, no. and it's all, you know, I'm not, I, I think that's I, silly. And I don't think he himself necessarily is. I, I, I also will say, I, judgment. I, I also don't feel like he's a racist. Right. But he did some racist things, and I think he pandered to racist folks. Yeah, and so what What are those examples? Well, my the biggest example that I would come up with was, uh, of course, he started it with Charlottesville, which is what Joe Biden claims the reason that he wanted to run for president, because right. Trump said there's good people on both sides referring to... I think that was an error. I mean, the, I, mean I think that was a... a, a you know, a, a mistake, frankly, because you allowed the left then to pigeonhole you. I'd like to agree with you, but my problem with a lot of Trump's racist comments were he had lots of time to come back and clarify. 
and rarely, if ever, would he come back and say. Except he's not that guy, right? But he's don't never you have to say, be? A bit. Yeah, I, to some degree, you do. Yeah, well, and you could even go back further. I mean, he was the he, he was the archetype, or if he wasn't the the creator of it, he certainly got a lot of cachet off birtherism. He was the guy who stood there. And, and I mean, think about being Barack Obama, being forced to take your Hawaiian birth certificate and bring it out. I mean, can you imagine some of the That's conversations that were had in the Oval Office about Trump, when who was just a citizen at the time, and really kind of rode that? So, yeah, yeah, whether or not he himself is a racist, to your point, there were definitely overtures yeah, and, to and, some— Yeah, and David Duke. And this is the, yeah, one of the, the David ones that Duke got thing. me, the David Duke I don't know thing. who he is. Exactly. It was like, well, we're telling you, you know— uh, Mr. Trump, he is the you know he was the leader of the Ku Klux Klan. So is that enough information for you to disavow his support? Yeah. Like, I'll look oh, into that it. David Duke, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll check it out. I'll see. You know, I don't want to make a judgment. Like Donald, you you got to make a judgment based on the fact that you know he's the leader or was the leader of the Klan. Like so again, some of that stuff I just felt like. And and you mentioned Barack Obama. I think whether you like Barack or hate him, I think he spoke with every word very measured. And I think most presidents in our history have been pretty measured in their words. Certainly now it's more important than ever. But I think, you know, even if he's not, Donald Trump is not a racist, he has to be able to come out and say, look, if the leader of the Klan likes me, I don't want the leader of the Klan's vote. Right. And he has to clarify that. I, you, to your point, he's not going to come out and say, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. That's not who he is. But it, there's another way you there can do that. There is another way to do that. So then he didn't do that for what reason, Tristan? I mean... I'm yet to hear a good reason other than it was a dog whistle to the very far right folks that that would appeal to. So can you be a wholesome citizen in the United States of America and yet be a believer in white supremacy? Oh, wow. Um, I don't, not consciously, right? Like you can't consciously believe in white supremacy and then be. That's the question. I mean, you I mean, would, you could it, probably you could probably fake it. You could probably have those flags in your house and you know and go to work every day and nobody ever knows. If is that the question? Well, or? no. I mean, so so you you know you want to always appeal to the better angels, right? That was Bobby Kennedy's line, and I think the argument's pretty strong that Donald Trump did not appeal to our better angels. That was always the problem I found with him. But then who are those folks? Aren't those folks some of the people that you go to church with, that you run into at Walmart, that perhaps you work with? And there's no defending, you know, racist white nationalists. But I guess the frustration for me, for us, is how big is that number? And where are those people? Because they seem to proudly wear Now, I guess they would tell you, no, that's not who I am. But when all of this is appealing to them, isn't that who they are? Who were those people who marched in Charlottesville? Who were the folks who believed Barack Obama was from somewhere else? And why did, or, you know, was not an American citizen? And why did they believe that? What was different about Barack Obama? There was something different about him. (laughs) There were 43 presidents prior and they never asked for birth certificates. What was different about him? There had to be something. Mm. So how big is that group within the American electorate, within our society? How many folks is that? And, you know, how many of them are going to tell you, oh, no, that's not me. But yet, yet. You it's know? a great question. And, and 
Ray, and I think, you know, we could, again, we could do the podcast every week about race. I think we should probably invite some folks that maybe don't look exactly like we do to sure. sort of have some really good discussions. But, you know, I've, I've struggled with this my whole life because coming from a, a rural community, um, you know, I've got family members that I know are racist, but racist to the degree that they're going to use the N-word, uh, racist to the degree that, you know, if they weren't on food stamps and actually owned a business, they probably wouldn't hire a, you know, a, an African-American person or a Mexican person. But at the same time, the, you know, some of these same folks would stop and, you know, change a spare tire for a black person. Yeah, so see, I, I always ponder what real racism is. Well, is it that's the guys that too. tell these jokes or? Well, these, and, and so is it a part of it uh, kind of like the issue with homosexuality, right? It was, oh my God, it was taboo until people realized every family has homosexual folks in it. And now it's almost a non-issue for the right. next generation. You now, race is a tougher fight than yeah. than now. There might be some folks in the in the gay community who would say, "You don't know what the heck you're talking about." We had to fight hard, and I get that. But race seems to be such a sticking point. But at the same time, you're right. Some people who you know, you know, are a bit racist. Um, would yes, yeah, certainly help if they knew the person, or they brought right. you know, or they'd be polite in their company. And that's really a weird. And, and this is probably not popular opinion, but also. You know, I've got tons of black friends. You can't tell me my black friends don't have that same uncle in their family, man. F the oh, white yeah. man. You know, yeah. and it's it's expected, yeah. like that's, with for sure. So yeah, absolutely. That's why All in the Family was such a landmark show when the Jeffersons. Well, came and over. and don't you think? And let me ask you this, and not, and we'll get right back to Trump. <laughs> but in in our culture now, isn't it a little better to sort of joke and talk about this? Because it seems like we're sort of burying these conversations. That folks should be having well better, race. except that yeah, I mean wokeism and 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 like, the hard left doesn't allow that right. better. Like, because, can we find some nuance there? Like yes. you know, sure. There's a difference between a slave owner and somebody that said an N word in a joke to be funny, or Bill Maher to you know your guy saying right. uh, the N word in terms to make a point, but not to be racist. Right. Or I just think there's a, a lot of great conversations there. Yeah, there are. Yes, not everything is equal when it comes to those kind of things, and 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 we and well, and let's be honest too that it's not the America of 1920 or 1950 or even 1970. There have been great advancements made, and 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 sometimes we do on the left or folks on the left. Uh, get a little sidetracked on just how many advances that have been made. And you know what, Tristan, maybe that's part of the frustration is that it's a kind of a one step forward, two step back type thing. And, and some of that appeal to conservatives is, you know what, you're never going to make these people happy. You're, you've made all these changes along the way, even if you've had to be pulled, you know, kicking and screaming, but it's never enough. There's never a point at which you say, Hey, you know, Cool. Thanks for working with us on that. They, you just continued to get beaten up for how narrow you are and how racist you are and how backward you are. And, you know, maybe it's incumbent upon the left to once in a while go, hey, man, thanks. Conservatives, you're working with us on some things. Well, <laughs> I want to agree with your main point because, yeah, I think it would be silly to say since segregation or since slavery that we haven't come a long way. But has the right worked with the left on some of that, or is it almost always been a dogfight with you know just enough for Republicans to sort of come on board to, you know, or I say Republicans, but you know Lincoln was a Republican, so right. I'd say right, right and left. So has right. the the folks on the right on that issue have they ever said okay, like we're we're fine with interracial marriage? Okay, we're fine with. You know, uh, because I don't know that that's ever been the case. I think there's always been a very large group that are is afraid or whatever reason are against that type of cultural change. 
Well, that's fear. I mean, fear drives so much. And I, I, I mean, this country is changing. There is no doubt about that. And I mean, I, we're getting probably close to wrapping up. So if we bring it back to Trump, maybe it's as simple as he was smart enough to know that there is fear amongst people who don't want the country to perhaps look as though the demographics dictate it will. And so there's still an appeal to... Um, you know, there's still a way to appeal to those people. It's kind of an ugly appeal, but that was what he was pretty good at. And, you know, the fact is, Trizen, the country that we know, it is changing. It simply is. Now, is sure. it still a predominantly white country? It is. Is the power structure still white? It is. But is it changing? It is. Yeah. And there are people who it, simply don't like those changes. Right. And it shouldn't be ignored on either side. You know, that there, there are strides in the right direction on, you know, homosexuality on race, you know, even to class, I think, to a degree. I mean, you know, we see wages starting to rise. Yes, and, yes. You know, yeah, it's an odd irony. One of the best things that come out of COVID is that that wages are, you know, blue-collar wages are starting to rise. Yeah. They so, really are. And I think— Or they've risen. They have, yeah. indeed. And, uh, and to go back to Trump, so let me say this about Trump and racism. I think it really depends on that, that scale. Like, you know, is he— is he the type of person that's not going to work with a black man? Of course not. No. No. He's, no. you know, so in no. No, that regard. But, uh, you know, is he a part of a racist system? Did he perpetuate racist undertones with a lot of dog whistling? Yeah, I think so. So it's, you know, it, it, it it's just a weird thing. If you have power and you are surrounded by racist people, even if you yourself well, are, you know, totally fine with different cultures. And in the context of history, uh, let's not forget that he was the next guy elected after the first black guy. Right. So that played a role because you did have eight years of Obama and you did have eight years of people. I mean, just think about recent history. Think about, you know, 2008-9. We have a mutual friend who was a Tea Party organizer, was a Tea Party supporter, was putting rallies together, and those always had a racist overtone to them. They just did. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's no way um, there, there's no way that you couldn't say that. I mean, it was it was a thing. It was a it, it was a that was part of the pulse of it. Now, now the irony again is that those folks would say, "Oh God, no! It had nothing to do with right. race, really. It well, had nothing I, to do with race." I don't know that folks really understand what racism is, though, to a degree. And to be honest, you know, I was blessed enough to have some really good. Uh, African-American studies classes at Berea College. I think, you know, before that, I would have been completely ignorant. I would have been the, the guy that said, how come they get BET and we don't get a white people channel? You know what I mean? And, and there is just a lot of understanding. Well, things that happened during slavery, which now everybody wants to get defensive about because it was a long time ago on the right, but there are still repercussions when you enslave folks and bring them over here with no, uh, no structure for them to get ahead. And then, you know, it's the same thing we did to Native Americans. You reap now, what you sow, right? Right. As now, the, now, As it, the good book says. Yeah, fair enough. And now, do I think you and I should have to be held accountable for the decisions that, you know, I'm sure our forefathers didn't own slaves? So no, I don't think it's fair to hold white people necessarily accountable today but it's also ignorant to say that there's not repercussions so when people talk about uh reparations and different things like uh you know i think that's a discussion to be had and maybe a show well, we can have at some point you know it's chris rock it's chris rock's standing in front of a, a mixed race audience and and saying you know not one of you white folks should trade places with me and i'm rich you know there's a there there's a that's a satirical joke but there's 
truth to all humor, right? And truth to all satire. And then he also said, you know, the, one of the things about being black is you could be as wealthy and successful as I am, but every cab is going to drive by you at 1.30 in the morning in New York City and not pick you up. Now they're not going to drive by you and me. And we just take that for granted. Yeah. And those are the things that have to get awfully old and awfully frustrating for, you know, not just just not to say run the mill black folks, but not just for ordinary black folks, but for Eddie Murphy and Chris Rock. Right. Cab goes right by him. Yeah. Because he happens to have skin that's not the skin that they're going to pick up at 1.30 in the morning. Yeah. You that, and I don't have to deal with that. That's true. And I think that's a you're touching on a great point in just discussing uh, white privilege and systematic racism. And I think it's, you know, we're a little bit off Trump here, but it, you know, whether you want to admit that or not, and I know, you know, I have friends that don't want to admit that. I myself grew up absolutely dirt poor, but I wasn't dirt poor because of the color of my skin. Right. So I do, I do understand there's, there's a discussion to be had there. Like, yes, Jay-Z has it much, much, much better than me, but that doesn't mean that he doesn't face or didn't certainly exactly. as a younger man no, face things right. that w- we would never have to yeah. face just because of the way he looked. And, and that still holds true today. I mean, and I, uh, did a little bit of reading on critical race theory and actually learned some things. So the whole notion of critical race, so that word critical, you know, how is that interpreted? Cause it's really kind of a word that's got a lot of energy and a lot of charge to it. Critical. Well, it has nothing to do with critical in terms of you must. It's critical that you know this. It's a critique. It's basically critiquing race in American history. That's essentially all that it is. It's looking at race and saying, what role did it play? What role does it still play? And trying to educate on that. So it's not critical in terms of you must know this. It's critical that you know this. It's a critique of America's racist Entities, right, of, of race in America, which is a huge part of the country, right? I mean, it was the country that gave up slavery last. It was the country that, you know, the, the, of the European and, and North American countries. It was the country that had the longest run of slavery. Um, and, and then after slavery, you wound up with basically you know, sanctioned, state-sanctioned apartheid with Jim Crow and whites only and blacks upstairs and no, you can't go to that hotel or that restaurant. And that lasted to what? The 20s? And then, you know, all the poll taxes and those kind of things lasted to the 60s. So, I mean, it was basically state-sanctioned, state-sanctioned apartheid for almost 100 years after slavery officially ended. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not anything from... Uh, 100 or 200 or 400 years ago it's is it's it's my lifetime 1965 was the voting rights act i was born in 60 so it's my lifetime yeah no i I don't think it's some pie in the sky thing that's you know from you know 400 years ago and that's why i think it's it, it is fair to have these discussions and it is fair to look at the systems that we have in place in america and to look at a president like donald trump who at best didn't sanction all the racism I believe that he could have. And I think at worst was made some very racist decisions. Yeah. So, um, and appealed to, and appealed to certainly, uh, 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 <laughs> you know, and, and that's the tough part. That's the tricky part. How do you ascertain who that appeal was? Who are those folks? Does it necessarily matter? I guess the question I was asking before, and again, it's a really tough question. Can you be a white nationalist? Can you be a racist and still be a decent person? Well, there's going to be people, you know, that would drive off the road listening to that question. How dare you even ask that question? But, you know, 
who are those people that Trump was appealing to in that overture? And how large is that segment of American society? And are they all just necessarily awful people? No, they're not. No, and certainly you can't say, you know, like Trump supporters, some of the Trump supporters, you know, most of the Trump supporters I know are great people. But I think, you right. know, everybody doesn't follow politics as much as, you know, there's a lot of people that follow for the catchphrases and who they think is cool and who their friends on Facebook right. like. I don't think a lot of people sit back and, you know, do a, a, an essay on the racist things Trump may have been a part of and say, right. okay, I, you know, I still like that. I think there's some folks that go, man, I really didn't like that. But I do like the rest of it, and, and well, it's not I, enough to knock me off. I think we got to wrap up, but I know you had some notes more than I did, which is why I ramble, and you are so concise and right there, <laughs> man. But just list a couple of the, you know, a few of the other good things that Mr. Trump accomplished while in office, because there were, you know, there were. Yeah, no, I, you know, I think he did a great job with ISIS. I don't think that can be disputed. Um, uh, the First Step Act. Are you familiar with the I First am, Step yeah, Act? I am, yeah. You're so, right. Okay. Um, Explain it real briefly. I'll let you do it. Well, you've got the notes in front of you. so. <laughs> well, I just forgot. So. <laughs> <laughs> I was drinking a little bit as I was putting this together this morning. and uh, But no, it was, um, gosh, uh, First Step Act towards... It was positive. Look it up. Google it. I don't want to ruin it for our audience. That's why I'm not saying it. it. it okay. Not that I've forgotten since I, I've researched that. Um, you know, of course, we've mentioned he's a master of marketing. Uh, he is a master of marketing. You know, what he did. That is, that is, and branding. I mean, getting his name out on every on everything is really, you know, it's uncanny. Right. Well, and he reshaped the judiciary. I mean, in a way that no president has probably ever done. I well, think Obama appointed 55 uh, national uh, judges. Let's be honest. You have to um, uh, you have to give Mitch credit, right? Oh, no. In you the know. Supreme Court, for sure. But Trump uh, had, let's see, let me find these numbers. 25% of all U.S. circuit court judges today were appointed in Donald Trump's administration. Crazy. 25%. And, and they said Obama had only uh, appointed 55 and had two terms. Yeah. And Trump was you know, like 255 But I judges. think that uh, back to him being a little bit malleable, I, I think that was Mitch. I think that was Senator McConnell who, who he understood how important the judiciary was. And so he knew he could probably go into the Oval Office and say, Mr. President, this is what we need to do. And Trump would be like, all right, cool, do it. And I'll sign off on it. Because, yeah. I mean, Mitch was nothing if not voracious and Well, Mitch in is a party judges. guy, I think, for the old school conservative he Republican. Is. He's that guy. Which, but, again, I think is what you sort of run into now of – just to, so the sure. basically just real briefly because you're talking about good things. So first step had to do with with uh, prison reform, correct? And That's that right. and that was one of the things that he accomplished in a bipartisan fashion, and probably did not get. You know, it was kind of one of those things that Rachel Maddow or Chris Hayes would go, "Oh yeah, the, he he did judicial. I'm sorry, he did a prison reform." And oh, by the way, you know, he's <laughs> uh, so he should have gotten more credit. Yeah. Right. That yeah. was prison. That was essentially prison reform, and it was a long time coming, and he got it done. Yeah, so Space Force also, um, you know, the judges I mentioned, major, major tax reform. Again, I think a lot of the Republican tax reform stuff, which this always blows my mind that middle America wants Republicans so bad, and they always tend to save money for rich people. And I just don't know how they're able to market themselves around Jesus and the working man, and then when they're in power— 
tax breaks for the wealthy universally across the board. Yeah. So again, just some, but if you're a Republican and you are, you know, when you want those major tax reforms, that was a pretty big piece of legislation. Oh yeah. So, and again, my, my list is even longer on some of the negatives, but I think we, we touched on yeah, I think some we of were, the negatives. We were negative stuff. enough. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, I think people will study Trump for the next 200 years. I think it's, it's fascinating. And I think we could probably continue this conversation just, you know, again, we could pick any one of these things off the list. I mean, we could do a show on Trump's handling of the pandemic. Well, then let's end with this. What does your gut tell you about 2024? I mean, you're going to know within the next year or so. Uh, you think he's going to run again? Oh, my gosh. What a great question. Um, I think... If uh, if he's not in any type of trouble, I think there's a lot of stuff going on with his uh, with his business, and uh, there's a lot of people yeah, out to yeah, get him Yeah, Mr. Now. Weiselberg. Yeah, so I, I think if he's able, if he's or healthy, he'll look for a surrogate, he'll look for a Ron uh, yeah. DeSantis, he'll look for a Nikki Haley, he'll look for Christy Noem, I think is her name, up in South Dakota. He'll look for a surrogate who, because yeah. he's not going away. I don't he's know not if going he's away. running. But I don't he's not think, going he, away. yeah, see, I don't think he's running again. Everybody was convinced he was because let's January sixth, not exactly a stellar moment. That doesn't help. <laughs> I don't, I don't think he went after that. Yeah, but, it's tough, right? Right, but you know, also. <laughs> he's still here to your point at the very beginning of our discussion. How many times have we said, Oh, well that he just called John right. McCain a well, traitor. Then he's gone. True. No. Oh, so nobody likes John yeah, McCain. That now? Is okay. True. So gold star mother. Remember when he beat oh, up the yeah. family? Uh, yeah, no, that that's I, true. He does not go away. He now he really, could literally, you know, he could, he, to Trump's credit, he could start shooting people in times square. And I would say he's going to get out of that. Isn't and he's that gonna, funny? He's going to be that fine. That was his line. Right. And everybody thought it was a throwaway line and it really yeah. came to be true. I could, I could, you do a much better Trump, but I can shoot people in Times Square. And it's really the, true. So, see, you know what that proves? He knew. He did. He knew. He gets it. He gets he what he gets taps it, into. Man. Yeah. He's, so, he's if nothing else, he gets it. He does. He knows who he is. And he knows who his folks are. All right. I, I so love another the 30 minutes of your life just frittered away. There you go. So, I hope, hope these folks have enjoyed their whatever they were doing for the last half hour. So, thanks. I did. <laughs> I, did I did too. If, yeah. You know what? If nobody else enjoys it, you and I will that's, enjoy yeah. it. Yeah, so. that's 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 it. There's a, so extreme common sense. Extreme common sense. At least we're going to discuss it and hopefully find from the a left to the of, right to the right of the left. That's pretty good. Yeah. Is that our? Is that's our new uh, open sentence? Yeah, let's do it, man. I, I like extreme. It. See, these things come to us on the air. Extreme <laughs> common sense from the left to the right to the right of the left. All right. Yeah. Very good. Ray Trisden, thanks for listening. Thank you. And check us out on Facebook. You're going to want to find Extreme Common Sense with Ray and Trisden on Facebook. And as always, we would like to thank Front Porch Studios and our friend Troy. Thank you, Troy. Helping us out as always. You guys have a great day. Thanks for listening to Extreme Common Sense with Trisden and Ray. We hope you had fun and look forward to taking on another topic next week. <laughs>